As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you, Why mad? you mad? Hello, Lisa. Hi, Jake. How's it going? Here's how I am currently going. You will notice <laughs> the Zoom screen that I am not in my apartment. I'm in a room. Right, right. That was my first question. What's going on? Are you? Did you move somewhere, you motherfucker? What's going on? You see these these windows behind me and the curtains? They're yeah. diagonal. That's weird, right? Yeah, yeah. You know why yeah, that is? Like in an attic? No, I'm in the Luxor, the <gasps> casino and hotel in Las Vegas, Vegas that's shaped like a pyramid, right? <sighs> so your windows are like diagonal. Because you're in a pyramid. Yeah. Because we ended our tour in Vegas. And here's what happened. When I was trying to figure out how to do this, I was like, damn, I just going to drive back. And I thought, yeah, maybe I'll spend like three days just driving across the country. It'll be kind of nice. By the time I was done yeah. with tour, I was like, fuck that. Like, so tired, right? So tired, yeah. When I was in Houston picking up this car, it's my dad's car. And he was like, go, dig it, drive it, bring it back, whatever. Yeah. And because I don't have a car in New York, so I didn't like buy or rent a car or whatever, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> he was talking to me about it. He was like, you know, if you get tired and you want to just leave the car in storage at one of those like storage places out on the edge of town for like 70 bucks a month or whatever, I can just come pick it up next time I'm out there. Whenever. Yeah. Yeah. And I was talking to him about it and I was like, wow, this is an uncharacteristically nice thing for you to do. <laughs> Like, what's the deal? What do you want? What's the deal? And then later on, I was talking to my mom about it, and she was like, he's trying to go gamble again, isn't he? He's trying to go Ah, out to- Atlantic City. Yeah, because me and my dad both have the same bug. We both like to gamble. So, <laughs> so I started to realize this is actually a pretty good deal for both of us. So what happened is <laughs> when I got to Vegas, I was like, yeah, I'll leave the car in storage and I'll fly out. But the thing is, you know, you got to wait a few days to fly because you want to fly on like a day where they're cheap. And yeah. Vegas right now is mad cheap. It's empty. It's like being is at it a, empty. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. It's like being at a bar on a Monday because cool. like I love bars on a Monday. They are really enforcing COVID stuff here. Like you have to wear yeah. masks and like you can't fuck around in a casino. Like there's yeah, yeah. not a lot of. No masking. You're always being watched. <laughs> yeah. And so I think for that reason, this isn't one of those places where it's just like madness and like COVID spreading everywhere and stuff. All those people that normally would be coming here, instead, they're going to like Florida or some shit to go be dickheads for spring break or whatever. Right. So and there's like kind of good like politics here right now. Like the DSA swept and shit like that. And there's like there's a lot of regulation going on. So there's not that much tourist attractions. Or there's not really that many tourists here, so rooms in this ridiculous, like, high-end casino are, like, 30 bucks a night, which is, like, <laughs> cheap. So I've just been hanging out here. It's, like, there's, like, a fee that makes it come out to, like, 50 or whatever. That's still, like, 50 yeah, bucks a night to just, still, like, yeah. hang out here. And, and you deserve that shit. Treat yourself. Have a $50 night in the fucking Pyramid Hotel. Why not? Yeah, I figured I would just make this my little vacation and yeah. then come back home or whatever. So I stayed a few extra days, and I dropped the car off and shit, and it's been cool. I, like, got to do some some poker. Oh, wait. So you're leaving the car in the storage outside of Vegas? Yeah. 
Oh, I'm high. I thought you meant you were going to drive the car to New York and leave it outside of New York somewhere. No. And this he was is... going to come get it here. No, he. this is for my dad. <laughs> oh, so that's why I thought Atlantic City. I'm not an idiot. I'm just high. Okay. No. Okay. So you're leaving outside of Vegas, which is a fucking good excuse for him to come to Vegas. And also have a car ah, when he's here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm caught up. I get it. Okay, yeah. I'm paying attention. You see the <laughs> Ocean's Eleven that we just did against my mom? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Brilliant. Totally. And it seems like, and it makes it seem like he's getting involved and likes you and is trying to, you know, reach it's out. It's a good grift. I think I come from a lot yeah, of great grift. So everything's been cool. Like I got to, I I got to play some poker last night, which I really want to do. I really love playing poker, like in casinos and stuff. I'm pretty good at it. I lost money last night, but like it was in a, like a good way. Like I got my aces busted, which is the most mm. honorable way to lose at poker. It's just you have yeah. aces, but then somebody fucking sucks out on you or whatever. So like I have a pretty good time, um, but I threw my fucking back out somehow, and I've never done this before. It's the first time in my life. So, like, I'm all fucked up and wonky, it's, but it's my last day here. It hit me while I was at a buffet, and <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, I'm having trouble Did, sitting down. Uh, were you, um, okay, because you've been, you, so you were do, you were touring with Avery for a week, two weeks? We I don't know time. Tell me. Uh, How long ago? Like, almost two, two weeks. weeks. Part ways. We almost like two weeks. Like, ten days? Ten or eleven, but there were, like, some stops, okay. some off days or whatever. But, yeah. So, but during this, were you sleeping in real beds, or were you sleeping like in couches and shit? Um, little of both. Like a I'm, little, I push yeah. it pretty hard. I'm sleeping on like yeah. couches that are too small for me and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. And like, I well, this is why car. I ask is because, um, you know, to be honest with you, I don't really feel old in a lot of ways. I don't get sad about birthdays. I don't feel sad about having gray hairs. <laughs> you know, like I don't. I feel like I've only gotten better and happier and figured more shit out the older I've gotten. But the only thing that that has been like, um, oh, shit, I'm old now kind of realization for me is that is sleep. Okay, it is the fact that I am too fucking old now to go on a vacation where I don't get my own bed (laughs) and my own room. And like, if I don't sleep, I am going to be miserable the next day and I'm going to be a fucking piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm nobody's going to like me. (laughs) I'm not going to like you. It's going to be bad. (laughs) So let's be grownups about this and only invite me if I'm going to get my own room in my own bed. And I'm only going to say yes if I get my own room in my own bed and I can afford that. Otherwise, I'm not going on this fucking tour or trip or vacation or excursion or whatever the fuck it is. Dude, I know. And like that, honestly was like part of this whole tour is it sometimes what makes a gig profitable is that you don't spring for a hotel and then you yeah yeah and you the, just like chill with people yeah and you sleep on some guy's couch and he talks to you all night while doing cocaine it's like really annoying. yeah but i mean we hit walls with this partially because of like shit like this but also partially because like you know me and Avery both have like the same philosophy. Like, we're she would be she should come on the show. She's good, man. Like, she's like yeah, let's have around a fucking bartender and yeah, is like comics do this thing sometimes and other artists where when they're on tour they're like, no, we're sleeping on the floor, and you go why? And it's like well because we would net lose for the fucking night if we got a hotel room, and that makes sense. 
like looking yeah. at it like on a day to day basis like that. But then you also look at the person and you go, okay, you don't make money doing this every mm-hmm. day. Like this, you're a landlord or whatever, like for yeah. outside of the situation or a bartender or whatever. Th- yeah. Those are different things, obviously, but I know somebody who's like a landlord that does this. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, dude, you're a landlord. Like you're just pretending to be an artist. That's your actual job. Yeah. You know, or you're a bar- but like people like us. Or how you make money because that's not a job, but. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. But I have, yeah. I have a friend who's a landlord and it's like. Yeah. He's not, he's not a bad guy, right? But he just like rents out property yeah. to his friends and stuff. And sometimes I'm like, just accept that you make your money elsewhere and that this is a thing that you can kind of make into like a like an experience that pays for itself to some extent. That way yeah. we don't have to kid ourselves into sleeping on the fucking floor. And like with Avery though, we're very conscious of like where we stand in this fucking thing. And so we're not big capitalists about this. So we take the money we can make, but sometimes we just spring for a fucking hotel room because yeah. like it would be only proof. The only reason you're sleeping on the floor sometimes is to prove a fucking point that, like, yeah. to no one but yourself. Like, it doesn't fucking matter, you know? Like, we made pretty good money. I think I broke even after, like, touring, but doing it, like, spending a lot of having money. Fun. Like, yeah. having a lot of yeah. fun. And then I got to Vegas, and then, you know, I don't know. Oops. <laughs> gambling? Did you gamble and lose it? I gambled. I lost it. I got one more <laughs> night here. I might make it back or I might not. But I mean, it's like, whatever. It doesn't fucking matter because I mean, make money podcasting and shit and doing comedy. Like, it doesn't matter. And also working when I need to. So, like, yeah. being able to disconnect from it and just experience the fucking thing for what it is is so much mm-hmm. better than, like, I guess what I'm getting at is some people, when they, when they do their craft, you know, their art yeah. thing. It's just fucking cosplay for, like, a dream that doesn't exist anymore. Like, it doesn't... Yeah. Like, who cares? You Ooh, should... ouch. Yeah, maybe yeah, that's what I need to hear, too. Yeah. <laughs> just make money. Or d- just yeah. do it. Do it however you got to do it. I mean, the like, the point of the last few weeks of my life have not been like, Ooh, yeah, I'm up $500. It's been this fucking insane experience the time yes exactly the live time during this yeah i was so i'm kind of like back to normal now but like the yeah. couple of days ago when i got here and we were still just in fast motion i had yeah. all the weird dmt shit going on in my brain where like it felt like i was thinking about burning man a lot how like <laughs> they it's so stupid but like it's very similar to like what was going on at like the Chaz Chop last year, the autonomous zone in yeah. uh, Seattle? I'm a raver, dude. I'm not going to ever judge Burning Man. I'm a raver. <laughs> well, sure. So you know about like yeah. blur and all that shit, and like, yeah, uh, exactly. I'm like, I can't. I I am in a glass house, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> so the yeah. I- idea of creating a temporary, yeah. like, kind of transcendent, like, space. Where with Burning Man, it's like, hey, there's no money here. Like for a temporary mm-hmm. amount of time, you can't really, you know, you just barter stuff or whatever. And like kind of feels like something outside of reality we're living in. Kind of, it's, te- it's but it's temporary. Like you literally burn the guy down at the end and then you have to go back to normal. So touring to me, it kind of is like, feels like that. But it's like a moving Chaz Chop thing where it's like... You like literally somebody got onto it with us. We ran into my friend Mike, and then he just came with us from LA to Vegas. And I was like, "Oh, you're in the bubble now!" Like this weird <laughs> psychic thing that we created. Yeah. And it's like, it's so fun to be into, be in, and then you hold onto it as hard as you can, and then like the fucking most 
like melancholy thing ever is like when it has to die. So when I got here the other day, I was just like, man, God damn, dude, we're like crying. Like look at each other. Like, God damn, dude, we gotta do this again, man. <laughs> uh it's so sad to like kind of go back to normal, but you have to. It's like the same feeling when you're coming down from acid, you know? You're kinda like, yeah, oh, yeah. man, all right. So That's funny that you went to that because I as you were talking, I was uh totally thinking about like on the road and um just like beatniks and fucking what's his dumb face? Uh What's his face that Johnny Depp played? You Hunter know, Thompson. Journalist. Hunter Thompson. There we go. Thank yeah. you. Oh, Lucille, careful. Yeah, I was definitely um, about both those guys this whole time. Yeah, yeah, because it's funny to me because, you know, um, from both, like, coming from, like, the Raver world and also from literature, you know, uh, like, school, schooling, one of my degrees is in literature. <laughs> I sound like an asshole. But you know what I mean? Like, meeting other literature people, I guess. Uh it was always weird to me, or I guess he's now weird to me, that they would be into that kind of literature and poetry and, like, those people as figures, I guess, and artists. But then in their own lives, the people who are like that, they see as, like, losers and weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I'm like, oh, you value the art that was made by the losers and weirdos of the 60s and 70s. But now the loser and weirdo in your life, your youngest brother or, you know, your cousin was a comedian or whatever the fuck. You're like, oh, what a fucking loser. Why doesn't he work in finance? Yeah. Well, a lot of boomers, like the way that they compartmentalize that, I think, is like, oh, it was OK when we did it in the 60s. Yeah. But then we all collectively like society was supposed to have learned a lesson. And what they yeah. mean by that. In the eighties, they became capitalists and sold out all their values or whatever. Yeah, but like, but I mean, millennials. Like, I guess I'm t- old millennial, young Gen X. I mean, people might. Oh yeah, sure. When I was going to school, and you're there being like, oh, Hunter Thompson and fucking what's his face, you know, are just Carowat like, oh, they're they're yeah, are, are like geniuses and shit. But then, you know, even the women I knew, then you, even if you're attracted Dude. to artists. It's just and like you date them. You want to change them to get a real job and be a dad and <laughs> like whatever. And it's like I thought that you liked Kerouac, <laughs> like right. uh, you know, like but you don't. You just like the product that they can sell, that you can hold in your hands, that you can feel authenticity through vicariously. But you don't actually want it in your life. Yeah, well, it's like um, comedy fans with Patrice. Like, if if you ever actually met a person like Patrice, you would hate them. And hate they would them. Hate you. Yes, people <laughs> hated working with Patrice. Yeah, but you like yeah. get something out of like this performative consumption of mm-hmm. their thing, which is an entirely different thing than connecting with their thing. And I think that's like, yeah, yeah maybe a big Gen X or like millennial thing is authenticity and like just sort of consuming mm-hmm. having a book case with all the cool shit on it or whatever and it being but do you see, totally but do you see what i mean about like i guess the thing i'm trying to point out is like how weird is it that you fetishize and value authenticity but then you yourself are a person who puts authenticity or examples of it on a shelf to display as proof of who you are and how you're smart and you know the world. But then like, is that authentic? Like, is no, that... it's not. It's not. Yeah, like, it's, you're it's... just a product of whatever school that a bunch of other people went to and also think 
these writers are the greatest and whatever, you know? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's what's so funny about what people do with stuff like that yeah. is like this impossible quest for using the consumption of stuff like that yeah. to then say something about yourself. But like that act is not authentic. That is like a, no. that's a consumeristic act, which is the opposite of what yeah. all these people are actually standing it's for. It's reactionary. So like, you know what I always think about with this is a art project I saw in like 2007 or something, like way back when social media was really new at um, some art thing I was at in Austin when I first moved there. A guy made a really funny like piece where it was about MySpace, I think, or maybe Facebook was like new, but it was about this new thing, social media that was happening. And it like, now it's going to sound passe, but at the time it was like, yeah, this person actually kind of was onto something. It was just a a guy, like a really stupid, boring looking dude. And then he was just covered in these little printout words that just were like, um, you know, Radiohead, um, you know, uh, sociology, gardening, um, string theory. It was like uh, he was in a human MySpace and it was like. So we were dealing with this new idea of like, oh, social media is this thing where you like you make this list of interests to try to explain to people who you are and you're like really proud that you're like, look, I am into string theory or whatever. And like the, that like, it, like it was really funny because it like the guy looked so stupid. Like this is a stupid thing to be doing, but we're all doing it yeah. right now. And I, I just think that's like extrapolated a million times over from there to where it's insane. Like people miss the point of all the art they consume because it doesn't, it doesn't function as a thing that like you integrate into your life. It just functions as a thing that you sort of like get a badge for and then like show people like, I like this and that's supposed to mean something about me. Well, um, I, this is not me changing the subject because we can return to tour stories, which I want to hear more of. And I have questions about actually, but uh, this seems like a good point to bring up, my hobby that I am um, that defines my personality and identity for the last decade or so <laughs> stand up comedy that I don't do <laughs> that I don't perform. So it's very confusing for some some people, I guess. Um, but, you know, we've talked about it on the show, Jake, while you've been gone um, and, you know, some some about it. I've been we talked about it here. Yeah, I've been uh, struggling for months, if not years <laughs> with the like, why am I doing this? I should quit. Why am I doing shows? Right. And um, time has really slowed down after uh, not after the pandemic, because we're still in it and it's going to get worse. I'm sorry to be a dick, but um after uh, after shutdown that's what i mean so like after shutdown lifted i guess time has moved fairly quickly for me personally i guess because to me it felt like i've been doing this show casual sets for a really long time and it's only been eight shows jake (laughs) that's we've only done eight shows (laughs) and weird right it doesn't feel like it's been months and months (laughs) but it's just been eight shows but um you know, as I've talked about before, like we definitely weren't making money. We're losing money off of it. And what's weird and why I call it a hobby is because I had this realization. Um, I have spent roughly the same amount of money on taking classes to learn pottery as I have on running this show or like I'm under <laughs> the same amount. You get me? 
Uh, and it's kind of worse because I'm not the only one that's putting money in the show. You know, my host is also. So um, it's definitely not a profitable endeavor that we got ourselves into. And what was happening is that we were in a, a room that was very big in Manhattan um, that I kind of assumed there would still be like some built in audience for. And there fucking wasn't because Manhattan is a fucking ghost town. And really, the only places that are um, doing well are like places that douchebags who live in Manhattan, like, you know, finance people and marketing people, they're doing their neighborhood things. You get me? But there is no after work crowds anymore in Manhattan because everybody's working from home. So there's nobody in Manhattan that's getting out of work at 5 or 6 p.m. and going to the bars and drinking and then going on a comedy show. So what's fucked up is that, um, you know, I call this a hobby because I'm just doing it because I'm like, I love putting on a good show. Yesterday's show really like reminded me of some of the things that I love, which is like a headliner sticking around to see the younger comics and being impressed by younger comics and seeing people that they will like possibly take to open with them and things like that. And just even comics that are peer groups or like peer ages and shit like that, but they're like not the same networks. I enjoy getting to make you all <laughs> meet each other <laughs> and see each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that you're not all fucking always sounding the same and all this shit. I don't know. I think it's great. That's what I like to see. It's like I like to see in action the action of comedy being made, man. I don't know. So uh, all this to say that um, it wasn't doing great because it's like a huge room and so we're we're selling like 40 even 50 tickets sometimes but it's a huge 150 person room so even that doesn't feel great but nobody has bombed the whole time that i've done the show <laughs> you know i've uh taken my chances i've also had headliners everybody's had a uh, good set everybody's appreciated like a lot of people you know like i guess headliners stayed to hang out and people who are maybe not as famous, but busy, came early to watch the show even before their spot. Like it's been successful in the ways I want it to be successful. You get me? So I decided to move to Brooklyn, right? Because um, I thought about it and I was just like, all the shows that I see in Brooklyn are doing really well and they have a good following because all the people that are working from home in Brooklyn are going out and hanging out in their neighborhood and they're not taking trains to go to the city to fucking get COVID, you know, and spend like a hundred dollars for no reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, uh, so we're moving to friends and lovers right now, even as a monthly, which is not even, we were doing it twice a month before, but I'm so happy. I'm like, Oh, less shows. That even sounds even better. <laughs> like, <laughs> So I think I'm slowly quitting is what I'm trying to say, but I am doing it in a way that I feel really good about because, um, you know, so now we're going to be a friends and lovers, maybe one month, who knows what's even going to happen in October with COVID and shit. I don't fucking know, but it is a venue where like, I know the owner, Deanna, she's great. And, um, I know the bartenders and it's like, at least we'll be putting money in the pockets of the bartenders we know and people that we know live in our neighborhood and friends and lovers runs like, um, community fridge you know where they like stock it with food every day and people can come and get free food uh who are in need they support a lot of local shit um so i was just thinking like why even bother doing a show in manhattan right but jake 
the reason I bring this up is because I did have a reason, you know what I mean? And my reason was because if there is no more alt in Manhattan, then it does mean that Manhattan comedy is now a particular, very specific thing and only that thing. It is the stand in stand-up New York and old headliners who go to Gotham and shit like that to serve old bridge and tunnel rich old people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there is like, to me, it's pretty clear that there just is no, there's no alt, there's no new comedy, there's no life in comedy in Manhattan, right? But I felt like it was important to still have a show there that was having like the different kinds of lineups and whatever the fuck. And also for me specifically, I'm trying to honestly book more Latinos, like nobody's doing that. And I feel like, fuck it, if I can do anything, like let's help our people, you know? Yeah. And to me, that mean, that meant it was important to be somewhere that was easily uh, reachable also by the people in Harlem and Bronx and in the Bronx, because they also do have good comedy there and they have good shows there. But then those of us who live in Brooklyn or elsewhere, it's so fucking, it's like fucking an hour and a half and shit to go to Harlem. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we don't go there. The comics that play Brooklyn and Queens and lower Manhattan rarely cross over to Harlem in the Bronx. And it's crazy because like people that don't live in New York think like, oh, New York's like a big booming comedy scene that's like all connected, but it's also segregated here. <laughs> you know, it's like also different clicks and shit and i wanted it to be something that was still accessible to that group of con of comedians and it's just not feasible like i can't afford it that a venue is charging me money to perform basically you know and yeah. um friends and lovers is gonna give me a better deal and it's just whatever fuck it it's three blocks from my house <laughs> i'm going to do it this way and see you know how it goes so I don't know. I feel conflicted because I realize like, I don't know, I guess I'm quitting a little bit slowly at a time, <laughs> a little bit at a time, but I'm also really clear on what my project is, Jake. Like I am trying to run a show ethically by paying everybody what is like market costs or better for doing a 10 to 15 minute set. So I, I currently am paying bet, um, same or better than every club in New York City for a spot. Right. Okay. I am also paying a photo photographers who do my show more than every other show in the city that is a show showcase show. Um, and to me, it is this thing where it's like, if I can prove that I can do it, then that enables all the rest of you to be able to say you can do it to other people who try to book you. And be like, you could pay me $30 for me to do a spot. Or I'm a photographer, you could pay me $100 or $125 to shoot your show and then spend hours upon hours processing and editing photos and tagging them and uploading them and fucking sending them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's real work that we all just pretend is not work. You know what I mean? And I'm not gonna, I'm just not gonna do it. <laughs> so, um, it didn't work doing it in Manhattan. I don't see how it possibly could. And then there's like no way to do it without, you know, I couldn't find a venue that didn't want to charge me $150 to do a show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or $200 to do a show. So then it's like, why would I, why would I do that? I don't understand. 
So I have more production updates, but what do you think about that? How do you feel about, I don't know, my move? Because it was, dude, you're, um, actually, can I tell you something? The show that you were on was probably like the best attended show. Really? Yeah. And you guys all did great. You were awesome. I fucking loved it. Uh, you made me laugh even afterwards when you got off stage. <laughs> I don't know if you want me to say this. Do you remember what you said to me after you got off stage? No, what did I say? Tell me. Yeah, you remember? Uh, so you went on stage, you did great, you fucking killed it, and then you get off stage and I walked up to you, like the other, con- the next comic was obviously already on stage, so I like quietly said to you, man, that was great, great job, thank you for doing the show, whatever, and you just like looked at me deadpan and you were like, huh, you were worried too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah, and it's like, no, I wasn't worried, but that's so funny, because it's like, I mean, yeah, it's not great for me if you bomb. <laughs> like, I don't look good <laughs> if I'm like booking my podcast podcast co-host and he bombs. <laughs> yeah, well, but, well, I have to do yeah. well, otherwise it looks like nepotism, even though. Exactly. Yes, yes. Know, even it, though it's not. Well, you and bombing is understandable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. that's all right because I knew that. And so I prepared and I figured out how to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I meditated no, I love before it. that. <laughs> yeah no i loved it it was great so that's what i mean like it's been a really fun show but it's like uh so like for example if i was just like okay this is a show where nobody gets paid anymore which i could totally do and comics would still fucking perform on my show <laughs> you know what i mean like i could make money off of this i could keep doing it where i'm doing it and shit would be fine but you know i don't have to have mindy i could get like another photographer who would do it for free because they don't get booked that much like that kind of shit but it's like I'm not trying to make money off of this. So what's the point of doing it like that? Like cutting these corners and being a piece of shit instead of supporting everyone in comedy, photographers, comedians, like paying you a fair price and doing things well. And if honestly I can't make that happen, then that'll be a really clear sign to me that there's like no point in continuing to try and yeah. just get the fuck out of it. I mean, look, I it sucks about Manhattan because I think you're right, but also like yeah. it's not on your shoulders alone to fight yeah. the fight in Manhattan. It's just it's what's happening there is a pro a, 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 an expression of a bunch of fucked up economic shit that's happening that we have no control totally. over, right? And I want you to say more on that, but what's fucked up is that it makes me feel like it's like an island of infected zombies that stands between us and Harlem and the Bronx. Yeah, you have to go through it. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure, man. But I just, I think if, to me, it sounds like you're c- kind of coming around to what I was talking about with like, me and Avery's tour thing with the fuck it let's just get a hotel stuff because you know you live in fucking New York like this would be a much more dire situation if you lived in a town with like one comedy club in one cool neighborhood but you can run a show in your fucking neighborhood and make it alleviate a lot of these stresses because even if you aren't making that much money or any money at a given point but it's like your fun hang that you do once a month and you know everyone gets totally. paid out correctly and stuff like that then yeah. that makes it still worthwhile and it it's like the opposite of a bringer <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 what do you call the opposite of a bringer like a goer a taker no i don't know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. a giver a yeah. giver a giver yeah there you go yeah <laughs> all right that'll be the episode title <laughs> 
Where it's um, like, uh, I will make my friends come here to watch you perform and I will pay you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it'll be okay because it's fucking three whatever's from your house and you're like, yeah, hey, I'm having a good time. I get to see all my friends and shit and let make totally. The and that it's I like, like a seven, it's a, either a 15 minute walk home or a $7 cab ride home instead of a $45 fucking cab ride home from manhattan like fuck that shit dude why am i doing this who gives a shit my ex used to make fun of me all the time because i she said i never left my neighborhood but it was like for this reason i was like wherever you live in this city is a great neighborhood like why would you live in one and then spend an hour going to another one to go to a bar i love my local bar you know you are right you're 100 percent right and your ex is wrong because here's the thing um (laughs) i um I'm not changing the subject because we got to come back to more shit. But like, you know, uh, I've had to think a lot about like what makes you a gentrifier. Right. Because I appear white, especially if you don't know me and I'm not talking. <laughs> and yeah. It's just like you're as soon as you start talking, you don't appear white. Yeah. I guess when I'm talking, you can tell that I'm not white. But when you look at me just walking seriously down the street and I'm dressed like a hipster, I probably just like seem like a white gentrifier um and even so it's weird because like latinos and even like black caribbean people kind of pick up on me not being white so they are friendly with me but then that makes me feel like i'm the bridge between like oh if you see me then like the white people are right behind me you know what i mean because they are comfortable when they see people who look like me and like you around and they can talk to us instead of having to talk to the black person on the corner about like directions and whatever the fuck. Yeah. So I worry about what makes you a gentrifier, but all this to say that like, I think that one of the things that makes you not a gentrifier is, or one of the ways that you can mitigate how you are a gentrifier by moving here from another city and like whatever, another state. And I don't know. And basically taking over a place that I guess 10 years ago could have been afforded by a local family or whatever. So, um is that it is important to be part of your neighborhood in the sense of like uh my pharmacist is uh like a black owned local pharmacy that is not a chain my eye doctor is and and I say black owned and and I say black before this because I live in a black neighborhood <laughs> not because I specifically searched out black businesses but because I live in a black neighborhood so why would I sidestep the black pharmacy that is two blocks away from me and the black um, eye doctor that is a block away from me um, to go to Walgreens or to go to fucking, I don't know, some chain, what's the chain eye store kind of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. When, because then what you're doing is like you are benefiting, let's say from the prices, the, I guess, quote, lower prices of living in a black neighborhood but then you're spending all your money on not neighborhood businesses or people <laughs> or anything. You know what I mean? Um, and so I've been like that for a long time, for most of the time that I've lived in New York, where I have rooted myself in the neighborhood more than I have anywhere that I've lived in my entire life. And then I started thinking about it and I was just like, why am I going to Manhattan <laughs> to do a show there? Like I, I, Jake, I literally was like, it's my show, the lineup rules, and it's fucking 830. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have to take the train. <laughs> I have to go to fucking Manhattan right now. I want to kill myself. <laughs> like, this is terrible. And then I get there. and I'm like, yeah, of course, there's not going to be 100 people here. Because who the fuck wants to come to Manhattan at 9 p.m.? That's fucking crazy. 
So uh, I thought about it. I'm like, why wouldn't I be supporting the businesses that are local? And, you know, I hate small businesses and I'm not a pro small business person, but I am a pro your neighborhood person. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Uh, you know, like pick shit up, clean up. Like after, uh, like, for example, last year after the uh, like Black, Black Lives Matter and like racial justice um, protests and marches and stuff like that. There were people that we did like cleanups of the neighborhood the day after, like at 10 a.m., you know, and then yeah. you just like got together to go and just pick up all the signs that got left, <laughs> like the water bottles and all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, because it's our neighborhood. Like, why wouldn't you also care about maintaining it and like giving a shit? And like I had this uh, comedian friend, Kofi Thomas. I don't know if you know him. The Kofi works in like all the... um community gardens and shit but anyway i'm getting off track point is uh i'm trying to do better i guess like if if i'm still gonna be doing this comedy fucking bullshit uh there's no reason for me to do it badly the way that a bunch of shitty people have always done it because the reason that the shitty people did it in a shitty way was to make money right and i'm not into that so like i'm trying to do it the right way so let me jump to my second production update, which is about sticker treat. Um, how to be discreet and shit. Let's think. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I want to be honest. And uh, I know at least like maybe one or both hosts listen to the show. So like, I don't know. I'm not. I, if this is I love both of them. This isn't about them. But uh, this year, if we get to do it, it will be the 13th year. And we've never paid anyone for the show, Jake, yeah. right? We pay the photographer, we pay the producer, uh, sorry, I'm the producer, we pay the uh, tech, you know, but we will have like 50 or 55 comics who each do two minutes. And uh, in my defense, I haven't done all 13 years, right? Like I joined the team when this was already <laughs> the formula of how things were working. And the way it was working was like, you know, the hosts created the show, so they own the show. So when I first started going to see the show, Jake, I literally, I have a picture. I think Mindy even took it. I have a picture that is of the two hosts. It's Mark Norman and Matt Ruby. But these motherfuckers are legit writing down the order of the show five minutes before the show starts. Okay. It's uh -huh. like a picture from like the third sticker treat or something like that their fourth sticker treat when they used to run it themselves you know what i mean uh -huh. and so this show has gone <laughs> from this like crazy disorganized mess where the hosts were like yeah whoever wants to do it show up in costume <laughs> and like we'll fucking decide right before the show starts who's going first and whatever the fuck right and it was like a four hour five hour long crazy fucking thing and then later they got another producer sachi and then they got me and then it became more of a professional produce thing but then it becomes a thing where i'm doing three months of work to make this happen and comedians are spending a lot of time working on their acts some of you not all of you let's be honest uh <laughs> some of you are working really hard on your acts for a bunch of time and also spending money on like costumes and fucking props and shit like that to come and do a thing where it is quote unquote for exposure because there's fucking industry and famous comics come to watch the show 
for a lot of comics is the first time they ever get their Mindy photo, you know, which is like a kind of a marker in the New York comedy scene. I don't want to say kind of, it's definitely like a thing that yeah, of course, it's, uh, comics it's, move to New York City and want. It means yeah. you're a New York comic when you get that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And for a lot of comics, Sticker Treat is their first one ever, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And um, so there are benefits, and I don't think that, like, we took advantage of them or anything like that. I and mean, it's not like we were making a bunch of fucking money. We were making, like, $400 each or something like that, like, $300 each. Uh, but I just was like, I think that we should pay people. <laughs> so we figured out where we all agreed together that we're going to pay people this year. We're going to do, like, um, only 25 acts instead of, like, 40 or 50 acts uh-huh. and keep the show to an hour and a half. And try to pick the very best acts that we know are uh, dependable, are going to put on a good show and pay them for their time and, you know, what they're doing. And it basically means that me and Mark and Matt are not going to make any money (laughs) from this show either. Uh, So I've dragged them down into my hell (laughs) of being uh, ethically (laughs) non-profitable. But I feel pretty good about it. Um, So it's going to be a little field if covid allows and if we wait if we make it happen but i I don't know just i just think that like if it really is this like staple of the comedy community it shouldn't be anything that any one of us or three of us are profiting off of it should be a thing that like everyone should split in what we're making you know because it's not about the money it's about the fact that we fucking like love this show and it's so fun to do and it is so fun to watch (laughs) and it's so fun to have your tape of it and uh like let's just not let it die and let's keep doing it you know yeah i think it's a tricky line to walk trying to figure out how to pay out people in a business that doesn't actually pay very well because like you know exactly you you could sacrifice all of your pay but then then you look at the situation you go jesus christ but you worked on this for fucking four months when everybody Mm -hmm. else worked on it for one day or you know however or whatever did a two-minute thing no matter what no matter how you break it down you did a two-minute thing while i ran a three-hour thing <laughs> yeah i mean everybody's always yeah. like whenever people try to get like progressive or leftist with comedy stuff they're getting into like we're gonna pay comics and that's yeah cool you should be paying people for labor but you know on the other hand like you are not you're not exploiting these comedians you are also working on this project in a proportion that's larger than yeah. each individual comedian so i think that you should get paid something like proportional to that it's just that you should, yeah. you know, th- this isn't, I don't think that you could look at this as a situation where you're like, you know, laughing well, all the way like to the even, bank, you know? Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, like, even before, um, I wasn't getting paid proportionally to the amount of work I was doing. So, you know, I don't know. I'm putting in so much time in, like, helping comics work out their character and putting them together when they have like similar ideas that they could develop further and it's fucking months <laughs> of looking at tapes and doing all these things i wasn't getting paid for that like if i had to do like a regular square job and i had to do three months of work and they were like we'll give you three hundred dollars for it i'm not doing that shit are you crazy <laughs> well, okay but that's that's yeah. a different argument than yeah i guess what i'm saying which is I think the reality of doing like an ethically paid comedy show yeah. is you can figure out a proportion of the money that is made off okay. the show that makes sense in regards to your you as a ratio versus everyone else. But the long yeah. and short of it is 
this just isn't going to pay that well for anyone involved. Yeah, you can split anyone. a exactly, small amount exactly. of money ethically, and everyone's still going to walk away with not an, not as much money not, as they would have made yeah. doing something else for that effort. But it's you understand what I'm saying? The ratio to other people involved. Got you. And exactly. I get you now. And also, I will tell you that you have tapped into a core belief of my childhood. Like I, One of the things I was taught as a kid is o todos en la cama o todos en el piso. Have you ever heard that? No. No? It means or uh, either everyone sleeps in the bed or everyone sleeps on the floor. Right? Yeah, totally. So, yeah. So it's basically like there is no like I call the bed and all the rest of you have to sleep on the floor. That's not fucking justice. <laughs> yeah, Comedy like is full either. of a lot of people that are like, no, 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 you earn your way into the bed and that's why I'm yeah. in the bed. And it's like okay, this seems like bullshit, right? You've been yeah. in the bed forever and no one else is getting in the bed. So how much of this is just a few people using this bullshit, like bootstrapsy argument of, well, I worked hard or whatever to yeah. ex- to, li- to live on. This is the thing that kills me about comedy. Or you didn't work stuff. hard enough to get the bed is usually the thing. And it's like, this, come in. This, this isn't a real industry. There's not enough money in it, right? It doesn't, it's not necessary labor. There's no, there's not a lot going on that would, uh, there's no demand really there's, there's not there's not a demand so yeah. i think what's going on a lot of this very low key is like with comedy festivals and with like headliners being a permanent overclass over like a lot of like my generation of comics never like we just hit a wall like a lot of us never really there aren't any any spots above us anymore and i think what's happening there on some level no one wants to admit is that there there's there's people that are living off of the exploitation of the dreams of the people, the level below them by kind of going, you get into the bed at some point, you can just keep doing festivals and stuff and keep, you know, doing our shows where we make a little bit more money, which is suspiciously enough for them to live on or whatever. And I just, for me, I go, everyone just get a fucking day job, just get a day job. And then we can do all this shit and split the money up ethically and then go get drinks afterwards. And we'll all be, happier than this bullshit you know totally absolutely uh you know i've uh i've thought of getting into um roller derby several times in my life cool uh there are uh, gotham girls here in new york you've heard of them no but all right Oh, you don't know about Gotham Girls? Oh no, but I'm from, I mean, I lived in Austin, and I know all those crazy fucking people down there in the, like, the leagues and yeah, shit. Yeah, well, let me, give you, let me give you a quick intro to Gotham Girls. Uh, Gotham Girls is a league, Jake, because there is a Manhattan team, a Bronx team, a Queens team, a uh, Brooklyn team, and a Staten Island team. All right? And they have like a full on like season and then they have a tournament and then Gotham Girls is like the all star team that has the best players from all of those teams from all the boroughs and they compete nationally. All right. Okay. So the way that Gotham Girls works is that you audition, not audition, I guess like try out. Yeah, that's the word in sports. (laughs) You try out (laughs) to be in uh, like the entry level, like to join one of the teams and you possibly get recru- recruited from the tryouts to join one of the fucking teams. But then you get fucked if you get picked for like Stan Island or some shit. Like that's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, so like I looked into it and everything and I can skate, you know, and I was like, I feel like I can do it. And uh, the problem is that they 
train at 9 a.m. on Saturdays in Red Hook. Damn. Who the fuck is going to go to Red Hook at 9 in the morning on Saturdays? Get the fuck out of here. So I just gave up on that shit. But also, the other reason was... um, I don't have health insurance, <laughs> so, I, so I can't be like getting a fucking elbow to the face and shit like that. Yeah, those people get but, fucked up pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then I was also like, uh, the last time, oh, when I last seriously like went through all the steps, I worked at a museum. I worked at the Guggenheim, so I was like, I can't be like at the Guggenheim with a black eye. The black eye, like, yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm like, roller oh, girls are the reason I know the term vagina shiner, which is a thing they talk about. <laughs> <laughs> that is a thing. Yes, yeah. it is a very real thing. Uh, but I really thought that it would be like a good thing that I would get some exercise, get my skate skills back, fucking get my aggression out. You know, put some elbows to some bitches, have a good time. But the reason I bring it up is because it is the kind of thing that, like, if I had done it, uh, not only does it require, like, a time commitment of fucking going out to a bread hook at nine in the morning and all this shit and going to games that might be in other boroughs and or matches, I guess. I don't know what the fuck. And, um, but it also requires, like, a money investment, right? Like, you have to buy your gear and you have to spend money to, like, rent uh, rink time if you have to go to a certain places to practice outside of your regular practice time and travel money and like all you know what I mean like hobbies require money (laughs) so that's the way that I've thought about it is I just don't think of comedy as a thing that is supposed to make me money personally I think of it as a thing that I would invest money into to see a good show, to see a good version of comedy, to keep good comedians working. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Dude, this is what's so sick about comedy, yeah. is that it's just like something like roller derby. But when yeah. you talk to roller derby people, do they all have this insane fixation? On, no, on, they have jobs! They, right, they just, it's like you just enjoy a <laughs> thing. But yeah. comedy is so entwined with this weird dream of becoming like this entrepreneurial fucking headliner thing that is not really possible for most people who don't have any money much less even people that do have money spend their fucking entire lives wailing at it and never get it that like it's insane to me like why wouldn't you just look at every other subculture that is around a thing that people enjoy and learn a lesson from it which is that like you're gonna fucking die someday do you want to have spent all your time not enjoying the thing you're doing because it's not valid unless you're fucking, you know, making making a dollar, yeah. Even headliners don't make that much much fucking money. <laughs> like you don't make that much money. Yeah, no, they all have to um, you know, they're like there are some comics that I really love specifically because they're like strictly stand-ups, Jake. Like they are never gonna be in a writer's room. They are never going to be a fucking warm-up at a stand-up uh, sorry at a late night show. They are just like, they're only here for the stand-up. <laughs> they're not here to be comedic actors or to be in, in commercials or to do any of this other shit that a lot of comedians do uh, on the side or I guess maybe on an equal level with stand-up, right? I don't want to say on the side because maybe stand-up's not their main thing. Um, and those comics who only do stand-up, man, they're almost never the ones that make it big they are almost never the ones that like people talk about when they make lists and shit like that but they're the ones that you can trust to do fucking well on your show 
they're the ones that enjoy what they're doing still. And you can tell, you know, like they're yeah. not on stage looking mad that this didn't work and this isn't going to work next week at this fucking weekend at fucking Tampa or whatever, <laughs> you know, like uh, it's a big, it's a big different thing. I don't know. It's not, it's not the same as those people who want to think of it as a career and to think of themselves as marketable and equitable or whatever, you know, sellable, I guess. No, man. That shit sucks. Yeah. It fucking sucks, man. This last Can I tell you? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to tell you. So uh, I hope this person doesn't listen to this, but uh, <laughs> we haven't talked in so long. So, you know, there's no there's no filters. Uh, I guess this season is coming up, which people forget. Right. List season, end of year lists of like oh the comics you should watch the comics you should see comics you will know uh favorite movies all the shit right so for people like me i guess i don't know uh it is pre-list season jake <laughs> which means that it is get emails from people asking you about who you think should be on the list season. oh wow <laughs> yeah is that rude of me to say that in, in no, public it's so funny. <laughs> No, is it people, funny? I don't no, know. This is like the fucking JFL thing with the skirts yeah. and the boots. People need to know this shit. These people are <laughs> losing their fucking minds because the list thing is presented as a meritocracy. And it's presented as yeah, this thing yeah, that if you work hard not... enough, you will get on and then they'll make your career. And no one knows that the people who make these lists, A, don't don't do their job. They don't give a fuck. They don't. They just reach out to other people. And B, like half the time they're like stacked from like just like one representation company mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. They give totally. what, package deals or whatever and shit like that. So like yeah. if you're I mean fuck it, I've been through this. I've fucking done it myself and I've seen a million people do it where they come out and then you fucking leaf through them and, and go like did I make it? And it's like you need to know how the sausage is made so that you don't have a bad time when you don't see yourself on that fucking list because you were never going to get on it because it's a fucking rigged system yeah yeah and i guess that's why i bring it up uh excuse me i'm drinking a new drink it makes me burpy (laughs) um because i think it's so stupid jake but it like okay it's weird because you know I am really not trying to burn the bridges with the people who ask me these questions, right? Like, I'm not trying to make them feel stupid. I'm not trying to call them out right now. And it's like, oh, whatever. You don't do your job. Fuck it. I say that all the time regularly. (laughs) But uh, it is kind of stupid that the lists are like these aggregate polls, I guess, where they're pulling industry to be like, who do you think is like the one the people everybody's talking about now and the must-sees this year and whatever. Which, let me tell you something. When I got these emails last year, pre-list season last year was fucking hilarious, Jake. Because we literally didn't leave our houses, motherfuckers. Who the fuck do you think is supposed to be on this, like, (laughs) comics to watch 2020 list? Get the fuck out of here, you psychopaths. Yeah. How is it different from the 2019 (laughs) comics to watch list? How is it? And again, when I say psychopaths, I mean this respectfully, friends. <laughs> but you are. You're fucking crazy. So I mean, maybe if we're uh, going to like Zoom shows or something, but those aren't real. And, but I did. And that's the thing. And it, it's like I went to Zoom, so, Zoom shows, but it's not like they were like breakout fucking comics. They were killing Zoom shows. No, I'm watching comics 
like uh uh what is it like paddle the water what do you call that just like barely keep their head off the <laughs> over the water line you know what i mean yeah it's it's i'm i'm watching what's happening in comedy but like none of this should be documented leave us the fuck alone can you stop making your list for like one or two years you fucking crazies but you know I'll do respect. Love a lot of people that ask me these questions. Sorry, I will answer your email. I keep forgetting that that's directly referring to somebody. I know, and they're totally listening. And I'm like, so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, I will help you, and I will say like my thing. I don't. I don't know, but but the reason I brought it up, Jake, is because of this. Also, okay. hey, if you're listening to the show and you make lists, why don't you um hot go watch list- some stand up? <laughs> why don't you come watch me do some stand up? Yeah, yeah, go watch some stand up <laughs> instead of listening to us talk shit. Uh, but, um, the reason I bring it up is because, you know, I get these requests about who do you think should be on these lists of like hot comics and whatever. And it's like, I know that there are two answers to this question. Okay. One answer is the list of people I actually think you should be watching. Right. But that answer is like throwing to me, it seems like throwing like the water, like oh, I don't know, like how do you say, like throwing it, a, throwing it into nothing, like <laughs> you know, throwing your opinion out into the void of nothingness, because it doesn't feel like these people are really asking you who do you think we should be watching. What they are asking you is who do you think everyone else will say is who we should be watching yeah you know what i mean like it's like the newlywed game yeah it's yeah. like you don't you don't want me to actually answer how many guys i hope my girlfriend fucked you want me to answer what she what i think she would answer yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean and the thing is jake that i could answer like i do watch comedy and industry and like comedy adjacent people enough that I know who will be on the 2021 list of comedians you should know or comedians breaking through or whatever, all the fucking different publications want to call out their versions of it. So I can reply to these people being like, here's the predictable list that I know this is the thing that you want. And again, I get in trouble for saying things are predictable. Again, that doesn't mean these people are not funny. It means that the industry who is making these decisions are not doing it based on merit. They're doing it based on other reasons that can be predicted, right? And I could easily write back and be like, yeah, here's who I know your list is. Like, I can get, like, let's say the list is 10 people. I can get 60 to 70% of, like, who I think is going to (laughs) be. Seven out of 10, I think I can nail. Everyone I know you're asking or I imagine that you're asking, I know this is what the list will be. If I do that, Jake... It solidifies in the mind of the type of people who write articles that I am a knowledgeable person because I knew what everybody else was going to say. You get me? Mm. So it like solidifies my knowledge and my word as important. But really, that is not my real opinion. You know what I mean? Like that's not actually me answering the question. That's me gaming the system of how I know that if I predict what I think all the people who you would ask would say, and I get the most out of all the people you ask, then that means in your mind, I'm the most knowledgeable. There's two different different things going on. One of them is what is going to win the market and what do Mm -hmm. I think actually is better. And those are two different things. 
right? You're in a gambling town right now. You're getting it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, Jake. So the problem is that, you know, right now I haven't answered any of them because I'm stuck in this right now because I'm like, and I've honestly, to be completely honest with you, I've made different choices in different years, right? But this year I'm pretty stuck and I'm like, what should I do? Because I know that if I answer my real list, right, of who you should be watching, uh, there will be enough names on that list that the people asking me the question don't recognize that they will immediately write me off as not being in touch with what is cool and who people are watching because they don't know the names. You get me? As opposed to thinking, holy shit, maybe I should know these names because somebody that I respected enough to ask this question of says these are the names to watch, right? But that's not the way it works. If I put myself out there like step out on the branch to be like, here's 10 names of people that I know six of them. You have never featured in your magazine or in your newspaper or whatever the fuck they've never done a fucking spot on your fucking show. They never, you know, you are not going to think of that as shit. She knows more than me. You're going to think of that as this list doesn't match up with any of the other eight or nine or 10 quote tastemakers that I picked so that must mean she's the outlier and she's wrong and I could just move on. So all it actually does is devalue my word and the importance of my word. If I am honest, you get me? Yeah. But if I am not honest, then it proves that I know more and they should keep asking me. So a lot of years I've split the difference and been like, here's five that I know everyone else will see. And here's five that I think you actually should be watching. Sure. But then it ends up that the five that everyone else said are the five that are on the list. Yeah. Well, it sounds like this is kind of like a thing pervasive in probably like the art world. Yeah. But it's, it's what people are asking when they ask someone like you, I think, who should I put on this thing? is uh what are the right answers to my homework because yeah you know if you if your job is to understand like in com like the comedy scene and be a tastemaker in it or whatever then the safe bet for you to not lose your job is to keep your head down and like cheat and go who's hot and then put those yeah. fucking names in. And then when your boss reads your thing, they go, oh, this person must be keeping up with everything because they said the same thing that the comedy world is saying. So you yeah. did a good job. And it actually probably would go against your like interest of your job to go out and find some fucking weirdo and be like, yeah. no one's heard of this. You know, it's it's 2000 and whatever, and I found Joe Para or whatever, right? Well, yeah. But it's always so funny because then when that person breaks all yeah, those fucking like, people yeah. are like oh i knew that was i liked them all along yeah, or whatever. but you never took a chance and you never backed them and you never fucking said you never put them on the list <laughs> they were too weird right but yeah. it might be like functionally set up weird to where mm -hmm. these people like i mean they might even lose their jobs if they take too many stabs at like you know going out and and making yeah although I, I i would make the argument you could do your job very well and probably actually bring in a lot of really cool interesting names that no one's heard of and then be like really well known for that sort of thing but well, jake that's, no that's what doing. food critics do yeah F food critics like obviously food critics you know they do go to 
Like if you're a famous chef and you open a new restaurant, food critics and journalists are going to go, right? But food critics are like even like Anthony Bourdain, people that people admire in terms of like shining a light on cuisine and cooks and shit like that. It is specifically about discovering new, newness. Or even like if it's old, it was just like, it existed in obscurity and was never looked at yeah, kind of you, thing. You gain authenticity from finding yeah. the cool, like weird enchilada place in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But to me, the, the, the whole reason why I am antagonistic towards comedy industry is because, oh, I guess you could understand this in terms of the reason you, the, the comedians that you have antagonistic relationships with. I think it's for the same reason that I have antagonistic relationships with some, if not most industry is that I see them as pandering to make money, right? Like they, uh, sorry, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to be rude, but you know what? Honestly, you need to hear it. It is really (laughs) fucked up. (laughs) It is really fucked up that you're like, you know, your job is supposed to be like, nurturing and finding talent and fucking making sure that they get seen and they get booked and they get everything they need in order to make the best possible show and all this shit. But Jake, the majority of them are people who walk around incapable, fully incapable of, of expressing their own opinion on a joke or what is and is not funny or who is and is not funny because they are terrified to say the wrong thing to say, you know, I don't think Jim Gaffigan's funny or something like that. And then be like, oh, but everybody loves Jim Gaffigan. Or like, like, you know, it's probably a risky situation to go find a new person and then Mm -hmm. say, I think this person's really funny. And then you get them on something and they don't do very well. And they bomb or something. Yeah. But like everyone in comedy is so insecure that they can't like live through that moment. You could. And then maybe you find out the person doesn't have consistency. And okay you made a bad choice or you could fucking stick it out because you actually saw something and realize that you're just dealing with a comic and comics sometimes are inconsistent. Even the good ones are and then go from there. But everyone's like, like this is kind of reminding me of something. And so like when I was down in, in uh, fucking Austin, you know, I was, I I like going down there post everything because uh, people talk to me, you know, and I Mm -hmm. creep around and I hear about everyone's skeletons and stuff. And like, I I pissed off um, the people on Moon Tower, which is weird because I am on Moon Tower, but uh, <laughs> 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 but I pissed off Who, Maureen. Who's, uh, on, who's the Moon Tower people? Uh, I I mean I call. Well, let's not name. Let's not get into names. Yeah, that's. It rude. doesn't I'm matter. Sorry. I'm not. Those people don't book I'm, me anymore. So I don't out. give I a fuck. You didn't even get the name right. Doesn't matter. But like, oh, okay, 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 good. You know, like, but it's a, fuck them. Who cares? They don't book me anymore, and they never booked me really to begin with, and they aren't good to their own comics. And so, like, I don't care. Like, I'll talk shit all day. Like, what do you mean? I have a day job, and I'm doing fine in comedy on my own. Yeah. So, like, there's no leverage over me, which I think is really funny because 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 what what I was hearing from people down there was 
there's like now you know like the creek and stuff and then there's also like mm-hmm. the old scene or whatever and like if you work one the person who owns the other gets in your face or emails you or calls you and goes <gasps> hey you need to stop working that other one and it's like Whoa. neither of these people have your interest in heart like neither of these people are going to work you enough to make you any fucking money or make your career all they're doing is threatening you and yeah, my bi- and having their own pissy contest against, and amongst themselves. Yeah, because you know what? They wouldn't do that to a headliner that they couldn't control like yeah. that. Fucking headliners yeah. are free to move wherever they want, right? But with like, what the one reason I left Austin, especially in regards to comedy, is that they keep you down. Like when the Moon Tower fucking flyer comes out. Look at it. It has the names of like 30 million people that are on the festival. It has a separate section of Austin comedians to let you know these are not comedians that you should like on the same level as these fucking headliners, even though people <laughs> at the top, there's fucking trash up there too. And there's people in the Austin section that aren't even in Austin. Like they haven't been there for like years. <laughs> okay, that's but, fair. But here's what I'm getting at. Here's what I'm getting at, right? Yeah. So like I was talking about this with people and I was leaving looking at some people who they booked on Moon Tower and who they book at their clubs and stuff like that and they're reopening and like some of them quit comedy like seven to like 15 years ago, but they still book <laughs> them because they're like, like they come out and they do the sets on these fucking things and they are like, well, this is an established, like I won't be embarrassed or I won't, you know, be taking any risk if I book. It's like Danny so-and-so making me whatever. book fucking Goomba Johnny. Yeah. Like, it, but even, New York. Some of them are even like good comics, but it like, it tells you something that they have such an aversion to you even thinking that they may have considered that someone who lived in their city for the last 15 years might have a growing talent that should be like nurtured and should be like engaged with and that they fucking book people who they've decided oh this is like this person often they check a box or something sometimes they fucking don't some of these 15 year people i'm talking about are old white guys and shit but they're like okay, like, this is in our rotation and, and we, like, you know, we, this is not a risky decision or whatever. And it just, it's antithetical to the entire, like, premise of the thing that we're, what is a festival? Like, it's in theory, it's this big showcase of things yeah. that are happening here that you've been thinking about, you know? But they don't fucking care, man. Like, they, they, they would rather cover their own ass than risk anything. And part of that is the profit motive, and part of it is that they suck, because this also doesn't they happen they just criticism job, yeah. and shit like that. Like you're saying, this doesn't happen in other, like, other industries that operate the same way. No one is this insecure. <laughs> like you can you can take a risk. Guy Fieri takes a fucking risk here yeah. and there on something that you might go eat at and it's not actually that great yeah. of a restaurant or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um It's Emperor's I, clothes. I, it's the Emperor's fucking <laughs> clothes, man. I totally agree with you, and I'm not okay. I don't want to defend this festival or any festival, and I'm not defending their selection of comics. I am just going to address the poster, <laughs> <laughs> just like the layout of the poster. Uh, I, but I'm also not a comic and not from Austin, so I understand that where you're coming from is different. Where you feel like that separation of like here's the Austin comics at the bottom is like um like a redheaded stepchild situation kind of like we don't really want them but here they are kind of thing but i like the whole reason i even went to moon tower was to go see the local showcases you know 
So to me, the like clearly identifying these are the local people that we're going to feature is not like a denigrating kind of like segregation. It's but like a you're, highlighting. You're the only person who sees it that way. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, I've never met anyone else because what you want is as there a, font very little. <laughs> I mean, people don't go like you. Yeah. Get, I was on one of those shows. It wasn't yeah. very well attended. You know, you're right. What, you're right. I what know. what you mm-hmm. want from the that's co- how I met Kath too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was cool. Like yeah. We all met each other and yeah. stuff, but like yeah. you were one of the only people there, right? Because you're a fucking weirdo. Yeah. What you want as a comic is to be bumped up and have your name next to On the main marquee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, works to your advantage and gives okay. you clout and capital yeah. to fucking work with. Social capital and stuff like that. And they specifically won't give it to you out of this weird insecurity of like, this thing you're talking about with like the people with the lists of like, well, what if, yeah, what if I, I look bad because I literally like, like, fucking, you should it's be, not on any list. You yeah. should be doing this to people in your own That's city. That's the whole point. You, yeah. what, like, this is why I'm like, fuck these fucking yeah. people because they, the, no, you're right. When their club shuts down, everyone's like, they did so much for us. And it's like they were actively yeah. standing in your fucking way. They were, they were because yeah. they were afraid to. They were like literally nine out of 10 industry people. Like that's why, honestly, your managers, your agents, these people are terrified to stand up for their own opinions. It is very unlikely that they will stand up for you and your point of view and your art and your desire of how you want to do your art. Like Jake, one of the most tragic things to me about comedy and like the business industry side of it is that there are multiple comics who come to me for like art advice. You understand me? Like not business advice, not how do I get ahead? Because honestly, if you're asking me for business advice, you're an idiot <laughs> because I'm not good at the business side of it. I literally burn bridges left and right. I purposely do things that don't make me any money. <laughs> I want to have the ethical high horse that is extremely unprofitable. <laughs> like I do not, I do not know about business, but I know about art, right? So I have comics who have agents and managers and fucking co-writers and like shit like that. And they come to me and they're like, here's my hour that I'm working on right now. What are your notes? I have this this joke that I'm working on. I can't figure out if this, like, why this punchline offends people. This is the other tag that I have. Like, what do you think? And it's crazy to me that you have, like, a team around you who you pay, right? Who takes a portion of every booking that you get, but who you don't trust to give you actual advice on your art form, You need them specifically and only for the purpose of managing your business, the business side of your art. And I guess I understand it, but I don't know if like these comics are even like conscious of that division of where they draw the line of what is about their creativity and about their creation and their art making versus what is profitable and I guess maybe like the smart ones what they're doing is keeping people like me and people like them around and writing the middle and doing both as best as they can but it is pretty weird and it, and it leaves me feeling like why am I even doing this <laughs> you know like I like having conversations with artists about their art but 
you're also paying somebody to have a house in Westchester or whatever <laughs> to, I guess, get you gigs while you need me or not need me, but would like someone like me to help you with the content that will fill up those gigs. Yeah. Like, is that weird? I don't know. It's not about me at all, but it's like about them. I don't know. Not recognizing that an agent or a manager is not going to be a person that helps you with your art. They never were going to be. And they don't. And the, the good ones don't even pretend to be. Do you think that this would work better if there was like a job that actually functioned the way an agent or manager's job did where like you could outsource this sort of work to a hundred people for a certain rate collectively because that's what's going on with an agent who yeah. like makes 10 percent off of a comedian is they have a hundred comedians going and then they you know that all collects into yeah. now i have a house in westchester or whatever and i'm not a big yeah. fucking oh you should monetize it person like that solves anything but like we exist in capitalism and you know we have to make stuff kind of smush and work do you think that could fucking work for you like what you do yeah, no, I think, to be honest with you, I think that... Um, You're kind uh, of an influencer. <laughs> well, no, but, like, look, if you look at, like, a, even, like, a Jim Gaffigan, like, dude, having uh which I hate to bring him up for the second time, because I know he's apparently DMing people inappropriate shit, so whatever. Uh, but oh, I just bring right. him be- Oh, did you not see that? Yeah, saw you saw it, that. I whatever. I don't even give a shit. But the reason that I bring up right now is because of the whole thing with his wife uh, and the fact that she's, like, his writing partner slash business person business partner person um because they met as both of them stand-ups right and then they got married and they had a million children and she became the main caregiver and he continued being the comedian but she purportedly helps him write and helps him manage his business the business of being jim gaffigan right and i bring this up because i think like there are like acknowledgement, I guess, of you can find people who can fill both of those roles of being both a creative um, sounding board, right? Who can help you work out your thoughts and your ideas and your words, but also be your business support person who's going to manage your schedule and calendar and argue with people for you to get your shit and negotiate your what the fuck. Um, but too often the people who are actually managers and agents for people, it's not because they demonstrated this ability to manage either side of those things. It's because of the connections that they have. Right. Yeah. Cause if you get like a, what's Louis, 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 CK's manager's name, that uh, piece of shit. Yeah. That I hate. Uh, I name. Tell, tell my Dave David Becky. Dave Becky. Dave Becky. Thank you. Uh the reason that Dave Becky is valuable to a comedian is not I don't think it's because he can actually tell you how to be funny or how to make a better joke. Look at that view. Oh, oh look at you. To get to show you. It's because he has connections, because he has the number, he has the Rolodex, you know what I mean? He has uh, the access that he can grant to you. So the problem, I think, is um, comedians have to be honest with themselves of like, what is the thing you actually want? Do you actually want to be really good at your craft or do you want access and like 
to be able to ascend quickly and have attention and eyeballs on you and make money off of what you're doing? Or do you actually want to be really good at comedy? And I don't know. Some There's people that make one choice or the other and maybe the vast majority are in the middle trying to figure out how to get both. And I don't know if it's possible. Yeah. Or kidding yourself into thinking that one is the other. Like when you, when you get like an agent or a manager or whatever, it's considered a big break as a comedian because a, they're going to get you work. But then also there's this thing where they go like, because we're getting you work, that's going to make you better because comedy is this thing that you get better by doing or whatever. But I don't think that that story really tracks. Like I think that they latch onto you if you're already good. Like it's the on you to be good. And then they just they're not going to help you get good yeah. make money off of it. And so actually I have a lot of friends who have had this thing where it's like you make it all the way into this situation where you have representation and it's like we all thought it was like this big break thing. And then like six months later, you fire them because you're like, wait, this wasn't the thing at all where they told me yeah. now you're in you're made you're a fucking good fella or whatever. You know, it's just like a parasite. And then you go, well, okay, fuck, fuck this whole situation then, you know? Yeah. I was also moving the camera because I was hoping you could see this giant fucking advertisement of Carrot Top's face that I think really, it's not, you can't see it. It's like No, a, I can't see it. Angle. it doesn't I work. can see this. I can see that. I just watched all the uh, Oceans movies again. <laughs> and so I'm like, I know this building behind you. I don't know what it's called. Is it's it Excalibur. I'm in Excalibur. the Luxor. Excalibur. Oh, you're in the Luxor? Okay. So Excalibur's okay. next door, but it's so funny yes, because okay, okay. I've been thinking about all this stuff and having like these conversations like we have and like me and Avery like yeah. in LA got really drunk on my friend Sarah's porch in the middle of the night and it was like, boom, yeah. we're just like, yelling at each other like, about the industry and we're just like are we gonna be <laughs> fucking bartenders forever you know like is this ever gonna fucking work and all this stuff because we're both like here dude honestly the thing about this fucking tour that i kind of want to talk about is that first first of all i will shout it from the mountaintops everywhere i go avery moore is extremely good at comedy she's a insanely good comic i think she might move to new york so you probably see it at some point but like it like she like is a bartender like just doesn't even is even able to engage in this facade the rest of us are because she has to fucking work and uh, no one else in austin is like she's like a last of a dying breed like a bunch of tech dickheads moved there to be like open mic psychos and shit now and no one else is like a real human who actually has thoughtful shit going on and like has this fucking like level of talent that is genuine and stuff and it's coming from the heart and it's not pandering to any audience or whatever so she's really unique and really funny and we've not had a bad show the entire run and part of it it's like because she's really funny and also because like i honestly i feel like i'm at the top of my game right now oddly enough having not done comedy for that long i figured out a bunch of shit right before i did your show and then on the yeah. road was like, I remember how to do this. And you killed it in my show. It, I was like, I was proud. I walked around like maybe the closest I will ever feel to like being like a stage parent where I'm like, <laughs> I'm not taking credit. I'm not saying it's because of me or anything, but I was right. I was right. Yeah. Everybody tell me I was right. <laughs> we had this yeah. fucking one. Jake is funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, 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 I can't like, I almost can't believe it. Like I was like, Wait, I shouldn't be this good because the dogma of comedy tells you that you have to be doing a million sets at a time. But I know how I work. So, like, 
I knew how to yeah. write my own jokes and then do them. And then I did that show. I was like, oh, fuck, it works. And I did every single yeah. one of these shows. And me and Avery were like this fucking perfect one-two punch. Like, she set them up. I fucking closed down. I did the story oh. about the jeans. Was it always, shit. like, her first and then you? We, we were... Yeah, it just organically kind of formed to that. Like after, we were co-headlining as a concept, but I was asking her about it every show we did, and I think we just got really into like, no, this really works if she comes out with this really fucking goofy energy, and then I close out, because I was doing story bits to close out. I talked about all the fucking cum shit and stuff, and like wrote it into a thing, and like, uh, and I had like kind of Twitter weirdos come out, so like headlining stuff, so it worked really well. It's weird because usually when you're doing something like touring, there's all these different problems that come up and some of them are the show, but it was never the fucking show. Like every single time I was like, we are so fucking good at this. We're going to blow these local people out of the water. Sorry if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, you know, oh, then the car's going to break down or something like that. Whatever. That's fine. Yeah. Or whatever. But I feel so fucking melancholy about it because um, A, because like I was literally talking to her about this and I was thinking about it and I was like, man, like we're gonna just be who we are and be funny bartenders for fucking ever because the system doesn't work and all this frustration that i'm hearing from my friend i'm like talking to her and i'm like i know but it's not your fault it's the fucking way the whole thing is set up and it's fucked up because you're so much funnier than like half the people in new york but it's not gonna fucking happen it might not happen but it's not your fault it's, it might, it's the reason it won't happen is for x y and z reasons and so we're just yelling into the moonlight about this and i'm like you know yeah. fucking crying i'm just like i don't know man we're probably gonna die dude like it's not we're not gonna become professional comedians or whatever and like um and but, but through all that like i was thinking about this like when i got to la or to to vegas here i'm staying in the luxor and there's huge advertisements for carrot top who's like a perfect <laughs> like example of like i'm not saying he's not talented or whatever but like a comedian would use him as yeah. an example of like of course geniuses don't make it to the fucking like level of headlining the Luxor. It's like these ridiculous people like Carrot Top and these like puppet acts and shit like this. And his face looks like fucking Mussolini. It's so huge and it's like, draped over the sides of buildings and shit like that. And I was like I'm just like looking at it and I'm like, man, okay, like this is a perfect example of A, the business side of why things are not really probably going to pan out the way that you would naively expect it if you were a simple capitalist. And B, you know, this COVID stuff happening, I both with comedy going this well and honestly with like poker, which is another thing that is like a lifelong mm-hmm. thing of mine, I this time I got to Vegas and I started playing poker, I was like remembering all these mistakes I made in the past and I was just like, I'm so good at this now. Like, I figured it out, and I'm so good at it. And I'm so good at comedy. And I'm, like, feeling, feeling it. Like, I know I've seen all these past fucking like, tours where I made certain mistakes, and I get better every time I do it and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm really good at comedy now, and I'm really good at poker. And I think we have to quit both of these forever <laughs> because, <laughs> like, this might be the end, like, because of COVID and the dying economy. I, this might just be, like, this weird shit where I just did this and then I just waved goodbye. And Vegas, then you just like, went, but yeah, that was the end of it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was a thing that happened. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm not that old and comedy will be around at some point, but, like, 
I guess, but I was gonna tell I was actually gonna tell you that that's one of the benefits of getting old is that you just like shit starts falling into place like fucking Tetris, like real nice, where you're just like, oh shit, I was right all along about this shit. Oh man, okay, I know how to do this. Yeah. There's nothing to be doubting, <laughs> you know, like, oh man, I'm actually pretty hot. The people who wanna fuck me wanna fuck me. Why worry about anybody else? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Shit just lines up very nicely as you get older. If you weren't terrified of getting older, like I don't know what to t- what to say. Like I'm not, uh, but I just the COVID thing is really it puts adds an extra stress factor to it, especially with something like comedy where you're like, yeah. okay, I think it might ethically have to like quit for like two years or something. It looks like you know. Yes, no, I know, and that's I've been discussing that with some other people in my life um where like i said casual sets i'm taking it down to one a month and who knows and maybe within the next two months it will be zero a month uh i have no problem with quitting what i do for the next two years even three years and then whenever the fuck i feel like it i will throw another comedy show (laughs) and (laughs) like who wants to come bitches who's gonna show up um i actually had rojo um he expressed some concerns about like if we move the show to brooklyn there's going to be comics that don't want to come out to brooklyn to do shows and i was like honestly dude fuck them (laughs) (laughs) if you don't want to come to brooklyn where there are live crowds that are like big and bumping and having a great time and paying to see you and a well-paid spot a well-paid spot that is a good show that you're going to enjoy in almost every show that I've been to at Brooklyn in Brooklyn for the last, since whatever, since the shutdown ended or whatever. Um, And you want to keep doing Manhattan for finance and marketing and tourist people, then do your fucking thing, dude. I don't know what to tell you. That's not my problem. (laughs) Like I'm not going to cater to you. I actually have a really big problem with comedians who think that comedy is about people coming to you for your art when in reality comedy is about you performing for a room and making them have a good time like that is your job it is not to uh primly present the art that you make for their approval and they get mad if they don't approve of it it's not about that like your job is to make people laugh so Stick to making tourists and fucking finance bros laugh if you feel like you don't want to come out to Brooklyn. I don't give a shit. <laughs> there were plenty of other funny ass people that I can book. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I think we can end it there. I have so much more to tell you about it, but I guess we can do. I'm traveling next week, so we can't do an episode next week, but maybe we can do on uh, Sunday night. I don't know. We'll figure something out. For our listeners, you know, this is our passion project, and so it's a little irregular mm-hmm. sometimes. It's I went on tour for two weeks, and then Louisa was going out of town. So it's going to yeah. be a blip, but, like, when we get back... We'll get back, in the, we'll, back into we'll the rhythm, especially if we all shit. lock down again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get something out so you don't have to miss stuff. And for the Patreon uh, subscribers, followers, listeners, thank you so much. We are sorry that we haven't put out anything, but we have a bunch of good emails and other stuff to talk about. I want to talk to you about this Hassan Pike shit. Did you see that while you were? Yeah, man. We're going to talk about that. 
And we got to talk about um, movement in the pandemic. This article just came out about like where everybody moved in the last year. And yeah, what I mean. So there's like a bunch of other shit that I want to talk to you about. So we can do a whole other second episode. We can do a, a Patreon one. Whatever. We'll figure it out. But this should be your passion project too, people. Uh, you give us two dollars, we sometimes make a podcast. <laughs> yeah, just don't worry if uh, there's like a blip for yeah. this this specific <laughs> yeah, month exactly. because this is when both of us took our one vacation ever, right? Of the year, yeah, exactly. So, like, uh, we'll get back to it. We'll get back. Mm-hmm. But we did all right. We banked one. One came out. Yeah, one yeah. No, we're doing. We've only. We're. Uh, you're gonna put this one out asap, right? So we're actually only like a little tiny bit late this week, and maybe we can do one next weekend when I get back from my trip. So we will only just be a little bit late next week. Yeah. So we're fine. We're doing great. We just haven't made a Patreon episode, but we will. Um, in the meantime, send us an email. We have a bunch of good ones, but maybe yours is also good at whyyoumadpod at gmail dot com. Uh, Jake, when are you gonna come back? When are you coming home? Tomorrow. What's your plan? What's going on? T- Here's what's going on with me. I'm coming home tomorrow, yeah. okay. um, which is Saturday, August 28th. But I also mm-hmm. got booked on a thing the next weekend. So in Atlanta, Georgia, on the third, oh, shit. Okay. the third of fucking um, I honestly like I. I booked I get booked this and then I kind of thought maybe I shouldn't and then it was already kind of like in place and it's a pretty good deal for me as a comic so like I'm gonna be at this thing called Dragon Con which is one of the more intense comic cons we're playing an after party it's my buddy Mike Gams who's um hilarious insane Mike is awesome shout out to Mike he listens to the pod yeah he booked me on this thing called the Justice League of Queers which is a show that he runs and it's a comedy fashion show it's very funny it's a very funny concept for a show when he does his shows, he has a panel of judges on the show, and they, uh, at the end of your set, they just judge what you're wearing, which is interesting <laughs> to me, so it has nothing to do with how well you did. They're just like, great jokes, but those shorts? No, they don't even mention your joke. You kill, and they're like that hat you like you know it's so funny it has nothing to do with it but like everyone even if you do great they just like tear you down yeah 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 like everyone thinks that the judges are going to judge your comedy yeah. and then that's the fucking joke right it's very funny um, it makes me laugh every very time funny. so we're doing that shit in atlanta on i think the third next saturday um what are you gonna wear i don't know i don't have good clothes <laughs> i'm not a fashionable guy um I've actually. I'm glad you brought that up. You I gotta wear. Thought about this. You gotta wear cargo shorts because <laughs> oh, no. those are famously bad. Yeah, no, but I mean, but I even I think those suck. I uh, I know, but can I tell you something? I was just telling somebody this today. I think it's unfair the way that cargo shorts have been judged because while men do look really stupid when their cargo shorts are very full of things, you know, and they like have like big bulging side <laughs> pockets, they look very dumb. Uh, I think it's really unfortunate, unfair even, that women have created this whole, like, uh, cargo shorts are bad, nobody wants to fuck a guy in cargo shorts idea, narrative thing, because women, famously, we love pockets, we want dresses with pockets, we want everything to have pockets, so, like, why wouldn't you understand why men like their little shorts with a bunch of pockets, because they want to be able to stick all their stuff in there so they don't have to carry a purse, that's literally the same reason we want 
pockets in our fucking dresses. Honestly, like I follow you, but I, let's switch it. Women you should think wear women should wear cargo shorts because a woman, if she's hot, is not wearing pockets. anything. But when um, I meet a guy who's wearing them, it's not because of the. I don't think it's because of the pocket politics. I get viscerally angry because I'm just like you look like a fucking cop. You look like a dickhead who wears polo shirts. I know, but that's Trump what I'm saying. Stuff. I am saying that cargo shorts have been vilified unfairly. But I don't think and it's unfairly. Now, and now we all recognize. No, no, no. Now we all associate them with things like cops. And but that's because cops wear them. Like I. The, yeah, but cop lady cops wear fucking dresses with pockets, Jake. <laughs> I I don't know, man. This dark. This now you're splitting my head <laughs> in half. Like I really, I I don't think it's unfair the vilification. It's frat guys and mm-hmm. shit. I, also, let me tell you. Look, okay. <laughs> a tend to bar for a million years, and B am like walking around a strip in Las Vegas right now. Yeah. And as much as I like this city, I kind of like it ironically. I like <laughs> gambling. I like how hilarious and fucked up it is. But the people here are like the worst people on earth. And like, it's all cargo shorts, guys. <laughs> and I don't know if there's any salvaging this shit for me. I know, I know. And I want to say I'm not, I am not defending the people who wear cargo shorts. I am defending the item of clothing, cargo shorts. Yeah. Okay. I am saying that this like a gonna, nice man might gonna, want some extra storage in his pants. It's going to be like a new Louisa bit, isn't it? Like the tall thing. <laughs> At the, yeah, exactly. at the house show we did with Mishka, he he has a yeah. girlfriend who's a lot shorter than him, and he did a joke about being in a height gap relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is I, that would have killed with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's. I am the audience for that. I love it. It's perfect. Uh, I miss talking to you. I can't wait to do the next episode. Um, well, you'll have to tell me all about your travels, and also, I there's a full length. Like, because a lot of crazy shit happened on this tour. We, I know that you have to tell me about your but, weird tour experiences. Hey, we're listening Patreon episode of Pod Damn America. Let's do that. We, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Me and Avery talked about it. We ran into a lake of raw sewage. I swear to God, it's a good story. Um, <gasps> yeah, I'll tell you about it when I get back. But also, when, okay. next time we talk, you'll be back from your trip. Yeah, and we can talk about that too. And I will have stories. Yeah, I, uh, which. <laughs> We're going to get crazy. I'm going to go to New Orleans and drink too much. Okay. Just to finish my plugs, though, I also yeah. extra, extra, extra have to plug the live Pod Damn America at the Caveat Theater on 9-10, the day before 9-11. Oh, my God. That's awesome. I want to go to that. I'll be there. Yeah. Are you going to be back? Yeah. We have to sell. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll be back. I'll be here for that. Yeah. nine so, ten at Caveat, which is a great venue in Manhattan, which I just talked so much shit about, but. If you come to Manhattan, cool people, to go see the show, we will be the ho- cool people in the whole of the island. <laughs> <laughs> Caveat, I think, is doing something interesting. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not just yeah, a they rule. Space. Yeah. They've been doing mm-hmm. like they podcasts, live podcast shows. Yeah, so yeah. No, they're friends. they're cool, ethical, like leftist people that run it and own it. Uh yeah, I'm hundred percent behind that. I love that you guys picked that place. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. please. Buy a ticket in advance. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, But we got a live show. And then after that, I'm chilling for a while. Unless this other thing happens that I can't talk about yet. You can't talk about it. (laughs) Show business is so cool and mysterious, you guys. It's (laughs) fucking the lamest shit ever. I'm going to make him tell me and then I'll tweet about it. (laughs) No, just kidding. (laughs) Uh, But I hope you get whatever your mysterious thing is. I I already told you. 
Oh, did you? I already forgot. I, don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, okay, let's end it here. Already too drunk. Yeah, me too. TV. I'm gonna go gamble. <laughs>